0: The slow version <laughs> and gate crashing tonight. He's a repeat offender. Oh, yeah. He's kind of slightly medical, you could say, but he's <laughs> he's he's got a big enough personality to take up a room, but he's got small enough in stature so you can fit in your pocket.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not.
0: <laughs> it's the rather, it's the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic, the rather, the rather consistently successful. <laughs> Mr. Cesar Jazar. Hello, sir Hello How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you That was What's a very it was a very interesting introduction
0: Well, it was like tying it into your games, wasn't it? It was, like it, Lincoln. was. it was Lincoln It was like segueing. It was smooth It was smooth like um, a Barra Jack Galaxy chocolate that you've accidentally kept in your trouser pocket when you've been walking home from work on a day and then you open it up and it's gone like that soft Squidgy <laughs> thing. So you have to put it in the fridge to harden up a bit and it still tastes delicious. That's kinda like you.
1: <laughs> okay. I think that's a good thing. I
0: hope. <laughs> you better hope it's a good thing. Yeah. Um well last time you were on, <clears throat> yeah. It was do you know what? It was actually before Dice Hospital.
1: Was it before? I thought it, it was... was after. No. I actually it was... I just yeah, actually that's a good point because I just checked checked our Skype and it was 21st of September we had that call or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah Yeah.
0: I think it was just before it all kicked off, I think you were just sitting there kind of getting prepared and getting ready, because I think we'd had um, the wonderful Peter, Peter Blinken had been on, and yeah. then it said oh, I really need to get Cesaro and this is embarrassing and that was back in the time where I was still trying to set up something with Lewis Shaw, but that didn't happen until like two weeks ago, so it was all good
1: ah, yeah. <laughs> Finally talked to him. Excellent. I
0: finally talked to him, and he's such a star. He's such a lovely, lovely guy. But um, we, um, but you came. I mean, last time you came back, you, you know, you, um, you did Dice Hospital, and it not only kind of it became a bit of an emergency situation. It became, you know, it didn't go from critical. It was like it was. It did well. I mean, that did bank and that did number, didn't it? I mean,
1: yeah. I had to call. It, I had to call in the doctor. <laughs> How did you feel I can't do puns as good as you sorry uh
0: it's just you know um i don't know i think we need to i think we just need to t- uh, decide the time of death of that joke was
1: uh, it was pretty poor 2149
0: yeah <laughs> call it um but no i went on to do really really well you were kind of um you you kind of had that wonderful mixture of the just the right amount of I guess, publicity and noise that was going out there and people were really, really impressed with... It seemed to be the artwork. There was a lot of nice chat about the artwork and then yeah. it also kind of went the same way the community because you had a really kind of rather kind of active active community. Yeah. And also, um, people really seemed to like the game. So, I mean, was that was that kind of weird after doing... After, you know, after doing kind of lab wars hmm. and then kind of, you know, that was, as we say, you, you did you did okay with that one and that yep. funded. And then, you know, after, and then you obviously took your break and then you came back and you did Cauldron Master and yep. that, kind of, that kind of funded as well. And then did you, here's the thing, did you know or did you have an inkling that this was the one that was going to do kind of really well for you? Was there a kind of a smell about the air or a taste in the water or did you (laughs) feel a bit more springy in your step?
1: I did. um, And um, I kind of got that inclination from two things, really. Uh, Firstly, when I started posting the front cover and some of the components up on Facebook groups, and the amount of response that we'd get from random people who were on these groups, just saying, "Oh my God, that looks great," um, and um, what was the other? That was the main one, really. Um, and and then and then the side thing was that we had so many people join the Dice Hospital Facebook group. Um, people were just joining it, they were just finding it somehow, and I mean. I mean, today we have something like 1,100 members on it, which is just crazy, just for one game. Um, And, yeah, I guess I did have an inkling that it it was going to do well, and it kind of hit the middle of where I thought my highest expectations would be and what my lowest expectations would be. I mean, we put so much development work into it. We put a lot of development work into it, into the game itself, the mechanics. Me and Mike spent an awful long time... Because he, he, in the end, became sort of like a lead developer with me to take Stan's original mechanics, and yeah. we, we refined them. Um, but we spent so much time doing it that we just also wanted to make the artwork, the graphic design, everything as best as possible. And um, it kind of did... I mean, to be honest, where, where it ended up, I think it was like £160,000, $200,000, was crazy, Um, I don't think, I think in my most optimistic predictions that would have been amazing and it came true and I think it's just testament to the fact that if you try to think about what people want in a game um, and listen to people as best as possible, because we did a lot of blind playtesting, we must have had about a 100 blind playtesting sessions recorded um, on top of our local ones, so
0: did yeah. that help? Did you think that helped then? Do you, think that, do you think that absolutely helped? I mean, because people are still looking for... I can't... Okay, I can't look at a Kickstarter campaign and say, that one's definitely going to do well. There's ones that I've thought, right, this one should fund within days and go on to kind of go crazy figures. Yeah. And then there's other ones. Okay, I mean, I'll give you, you know, um, Wreck and Ruin. You know, I'm still yeah. scratching. I'm still scratching my head over that one and saying, right, that's twice now. What was, you know, what? Yeah, that, I mean, here?
1: yeah, with that one, I always had a few reservations, and I would always privately tell Mark about Wreck and Ruin. I think the biggest issue with that is, and it's something that we at Alleycat Games try to avoid, is it's a theme that is has been done to death, really. Mm. um and i think that's what he had to contend with when with dice hospital for instance there aren't that many hospital games out there especially ones at a gateway level um so you know we we did our a lot of research you know what what hospital games are out there mm. um, which ones are good why are they good why are some of the hospital games not good and yeah. where could dice hospital fit in and dice sort of fits in nicely where that that doesn't really have any competitors. Um, do you
0: think that do you think that was, you know, do you think that was the main thing or do you think it was something to do with a cute little ambulance that you had?
1: Well, like I said, we did our market research. I think that's so important. So whenever we we had a blind playtesting session, you know, at the end we would ask them questions like, what do you want to see in the base game? Like, mm-hmm. and we gave a whole load of options, please tick them. And then mm-hmm. what do you want to see in a deluxe option? And actually, it was Mike that came up with the idea of having the ambulances. And at first, I was like, oh, you know, what would you use ambulance for? And he was like, no, you've got to put the dice in the ambulances. And I was like, oh, right. So then whenever we gave this option to backers and we said, would you back this in a deluxe option? We had like 80% of people saying, I want an ambulance. So we had to make that a reality.
0: I think it goes without saying, really. I mean, even if you float the idea of like some kind of little vehicle. Because people are going to be driving that about the board, but let's face it.
1: <laughs> it's going to be cool, and um, I think I might put something up on BGG saying, you know, every six months, whoever sends us in the best, um, best ambulance, uh, you know, painting or, or, I mean, I don't do any of that stuff, but you know, if if we see some nicely coloured ambulances, I'll send you a free copy of Dice Hospital. I just,
0: <laughs> I just want people um, doing videos where they make noises of ambulances without any. <laughs> You know, we should have tur- we should
1: have turned that into the first player rule. Who whoever can can mimic the best siren should be have you, to, should have be a you first
0: sub- player. Have you submitted the rulebook? I bet you have already.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've I mean, we've literally uh, just sent off all the files. I mean, we've been going back and forward. We sent off the files earlier this month. Yeah. and then and then the manufacturers—they've I mean, been great, by the way. Um, Longpack—they've been fantastic with us because they really want to make sure that they also make a great game for us. So, um, I mean, literally yesterday I had like my sixth ship from, shipment from them yeah. sim- simply for quality assurance purposes. So, um, I'm pretty confident that the final product, as long as the final final manufacturing goes to plan, will be good.
0: What has it been like, kind of getting feedback? Because you know you're not um, you're not a delicate little flower. I'm I not mean, delicate. If people if I'll people ask if people ask you for if people have asked you for feedback in the past, you have been like a dugwubber ball. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll say it. I'll I'll say it in educated speak sir one has been like a canine <laughs> <laughs> i <I'm laughs> not i wouldn't describe burst, myself like that with, with a burst sphere <laughs> but you're to be educated
1: honest, to be honest like even these like um like literally just yesterday i was giving um paul harris a good friend of mine who runs handycon um he's trying to he's trying to he's designed this game called reforestation uh, he has uh, other games called scrumpy coming up and Face-to-face, I would tell him straight, you need to change this. And it's the same on the internet. Whether it's on the internet or face-to-face, I will just tell people, like, it's not because I'm being mean or anything. It's because I want the UK industry to grow. I really do, because it doesn't make any sense that there are just a few good publishers out there. I'm not putting myself in that bracket. I would, you know, like Modiphius Games Workshop, these are internationally recognized brands. You know me and other people we're not even anywhere near that but I want us smaller guys to get to those levels and to get to those levels you have to have a certain sense of quality control about your own stuff um, and I do, don't, is it I you don't have like to be to beat willing the okay. bush.
0: well do you have to be willing it's like sit down and have a word with yourself and say actually you're just kidding yourself this bit could be better yeah and you need to kind of stop put your hands up and just say, right, okay, let's step it back and see how we can we can kinda of, kind of improve this. Because one of the things we noticed about Dice Hospital is just I remember you going through the entire process through the UK Kickstarter group saying, What do you think of these dice? What do you think of the what do you think you even were going on about the cover art and you know got feedback on the cover art and said you know people were saying, well I don't know about the ambulance in the background if it blends in too much okay I'll, I'll change this so it kind of stands out later and all the way through I mean the components the components in the end game look you know they end up look kind of looking looking kind of fantastic I mean did yeah. you are you able to walk away from that project thinking I've done my best." no best work here have you been able to walk away from here saying you know i've actually i've done what i intended to do and i'm happy or are you still you No, because i
1: always you have to be your own harshest critic yeah and um something my father always used to say was um you know when i used to be a scientist he would tell me in science enough is never enough but then it's the same with any product or whatever you want to make or do or service is that you just have to give your hardest you have to appreciate that you could have done more, but at some point you do have to stop. Um, And, you know, I think our first print run of Dice Hospital will be very good. It won't be to everyone's tastes because for instance, you know, we had quite a few people saying they didn't like the dice or Mm -hmm. they didn't like this, didn't like that. But at the end of the day, I've just got to make the best that I possibly can for as wide a number of people as possible. And you do have to be your own, Arsh's critic, because if you're not you're killing yourself
0: it's kind of what's interesting to me is that on the back of dice hospital doing so well, your next it seems that your next projects that you've done or the next projects that you've decided you've decided to kind of minimize that was yeah. that like a business was that was a business, business decision, decision
1: to, yeah yeah for sure um and it's It's quite interesting you picked up on that, mainly because after Dice Hospital, I knew that there was going to be a lull because for various reasons, for manufacturing and development work or whatever. Um, But at the same time, I didn't want to do another big project, um, even though we had some games signed up and we could have developed it. But instead, I chose smaller projects, A, because previous backers for Dice Hospital, Cauldron Master, Lab Wars, they would be more willing to pay a smaller amount for a game rather than oh i'm going to pay another 40 50 quid for a big game because it's a big ask because they've already sunk 40 50 60 quid depending on their tier for dice hospital i can't possibly ask them again to say please give me another 40 50 60 quid for another game but you still haven't got dice hospital yet i think that's unrealistic so the the compromise then was to say okay, well, how about, while you're waiting for Dice Hospital, here are are two new games. They're small, they're easy to develop on our side, Um, they're finished games, they're really good games, um, but they're only going to be, like, 15 quid each.
0: Is it not the also side of it is that um, there's too many expensive games on Kickstarter as well that you need to kind of keep... In order to be attractive to certain crowds, um, you need to kind of keep an eye on your costs. I know there was, um, I was listening to Unlucky Frog Gaming today and uh, um, Ben was talking about kind of price creep within the board game industry and that like, you know, even three, four years ago, even myself, I mean, looking at kind of like Kickstarter projects that were even at their biggest rate, they were going for like 80... $90 Ninety dollars, and now it seems like the really big projects seem to be rocking in it. I've seen one fifty, I've seen one eighty, <laughs> I've yeah, seen two hundred. And at the end of the side... day,
1: it's it's supply and demand, isn't it? Um, yeah. And if businesses think that someone's going to want to pay one hundred and fifty dollars, that's a risk because it's one hundred and fifty dollars to someone is like four or five days' work. That's a lot yeah, of okay. money to some people. So. Yeah. If they think someone's going to pay $150, fine. But at the end of the day, if no one's going to buy it, they've just messed up. But if they think someone's going to definitely pay $150 and they get 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 backers, then clearly they've priced it right because someone, those people see value in the game being $150. Um,
0: yeah, you've also got the reputation, though, in terms of the production side of things, because if you're talking yes. about kind of like you know the guys are going to be producing good components uh, excellent miniatures and stuff like that i guess the other balance is, is like what would you what would you do in terms of a game to bring out another game that you're going to be asking for another 50 quid from you i mean you would have to sh- okay i guess um if you look at say um says zombie side okay let's talk about that yeah the core fundamentals of the game are f- primarily kind of, kind of be the same okay you're going to get the same kind of artists and you're i know that the rules are going to be slightly different for the kind of the latest one but people are quite happy to get another game in the zombie side series they're quite happy to pitch up for a rising sun Um, they're going to be looking at you know god you know when god tears coming out um you know god God tier in Steamforge, you've got the Hellboy game coming out soon um, from Mantic and these are all guys that you know it's going to be miniatures, it's going to be cardboard there's going to be chits and there's going to be dice but if someone like yourself would you not, would there not be more pressure for you to be more creative to be able to go out and demand another £50 from somewhere because you're still kind of building up your reputation as well
1: I think it's also important you know, with that respect, to think about who your audience is, and yeah. I think I think my audience is becoming a lot more clearer. Which is, um, we clearly appeal to light medium gamers, people who will play these sorts of games with their gaming buddies, but they yeah. could also play it with with their partner, or they could play it with potentially their family as well. So okay. there's a whole breadth. The other thing we we want to have is is. We want our games to be sort of, not all of them, but majority of them, to be like gateway level, um, so that they will have retail presence rather than just sat on a shelf with a huge big box waiting for someone to pick it up. Um,
0: yeah, because that's the route to um, that's the route to discountville, and it's also the route to when you run your next Kickstarter and you do a retail pledge. The guys that jumped in that time and are still remember, you know, and bought kind of, you know, a consignment of 25 or 50 off you who now have got that, half of that 50 still in the shop, and are having to cut it down and discount it in order to kind of get rid of it, they're maybe going to say, well I'm not wanting to, you know, I'm not going to bother kind of this time, whereas yeah, I mean, as we always talk about the long tail on retail, you know Yeah, that for us is really
1: important now um, as a a business continues to grow and for instance that's really prevalent with Dice Hospital but also actually more so for our upcoming game Coral Islands where I think it will do reasonably well on Kickstarter um, but I actually think it will do a lot better in retail because of the type of game that it is which is like a light family gateway game Um, you know one that gamers will enjoy because it's got Sabrina Miriam's art again it's like got beautiful fish art, it's got coral mm-hmm. but you have to think about how like who who is your audience and our, and our audience is light to medium um and i think you have to just play to those strengths and so my good friend gonzalo from thundergriff games his thing recently has been like very very beautiful abstract games yeah um and he has seemed to have found his own audience and that's fantastic, but clearly he's found a demand for beautiful abstract games and he continues to do that, so I think he's bringing out another game called Tao Long, uh, not, not Tao Long, it, I can't remember the name of it, um, but essentially it's like a beautiful like garden making game, um, <laughs> it, it just looks beautiful. Um, just his typical style. But
0: let's let's find out. What's it let's find out. Let's find out right now. And Please. then what I can do. And, and then what can... we could and then I can try and pretend I'm gonna edit this. What's the name <laughs> of the cup com- what's the game of the cup again? Thundergriff Sizar. Thundergriff Thunder, Games. Thunder, Thundergriff. Let's you should you should together. have him
1: on. He's a really nice guy and actually he really helps us out, um us guys in the UK. Let's we'll just... tell
0: you, you make you make the introduction and I will find the time. To have a chat, let's just have There we a go. One.
1: Tang Garden. That's it. Tang
0: I've seen this.
1: Yeah, it looks absolutely brilliant. But that so, looks I'm amazing. just looking at it now, and he did make Tao Long. Um, Dead Man's Double Spirits of the Forest, Overseers. So.
0: Oh my goodness. He knows his stuff. This, is, this looks absolutely fantastic. Do you want to remind the trees remind me of? Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. Because yeah. it could help if I could see. You're obviously going to be able to say photosynthesis. <laughs> 'Cause you're a scientist. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> But then but then I mean you go um but then you go and then you um you go down the pocket route. Yeah. Which was in which was interesting because I thought, you know, as I say, for me being in being super business professional man, I looked at this and I thought, here's a guy that's not you're not doing like a risk thing, but you see this on Kickstarter as well. You see it like on, um, say, like Frank. What Frank's doing at the moment, and obviously he's taking the big chunk and he's running with um, the expansion to City of Kings, but also at the same time he's doing Valoran Gardens as well. Yeah. Um. Hello, Frank. Hello, Frank. Hello, Frank. You lovely, lovely he's man. Good, good lad. He is a good lad. We like him an awful lot. Um. But then you've, as I say, you've kind of gone. The, as you said, you've gone the sensible option, and you went down the pocket yeah. kind of route as well. I mean, was the, that what happened? Was that? I mean, how did you go from? I mean, were you looking around for us You said you're looking around for a smaller game. Yeah. So how did you end up getting involved in pocket pocket uh, sub well, and pocket farmer? Pocket
1: farmer. Yeah. Well, as um think, as time was approaching for Dice Hospital, um, I really wanted to make sure that we had things in place for 2018 by the end of 2017, Um, and essentially I spent a long time uh, during 2017 and the lead up to Dice Hospital afterwards looking for games. Um, And it just so happened that uh, Gonzalo told me about uh, the Pocket Sub game because the designers had pitched to him because they were the designers who designed Dead Man's The Balloons. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and he said that he would have taken it on himself, but he had, he had probably made, he th- he thought he had made too many abstract lo- uh, games for that line, so he was just like Cesar, do you want to take a closer look at it yourself? So I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, and then
0: we did signed. it excite you at the time? I mean, were you kind of like, um, oh yeah, this is going to fill in a treat. This is going to definitely fill a gap, or were you kind of like, well, we'll kind of see. I'm not sure. Well, what yeah. happened
1: was that um, when I came back from Gen Con, um, I decided as a something, you know, like a business development sort of idea was that I need to get more people to help me out with what games are good and what games aren't good, basically. So yeah. to that end, um, I contacted my good friend Brett Gilbert and I just said to him, do you want, do you want to join up with my company um you know, as a sort of employee type thing and become a lead developer with me. And essentially your role will be to judge what games are good enough to take on. And as soon as I came back for Gen Con, I think think we had 15 games to, to, uh, which interested me enough. And Pocket Sub was one of the ones that he said, yeah, you should sign that up. It's brilliant. Um, And for Brett to say that, and he is actually way more critical than I am, especially when it comes to game mechanics because he understands game mechanics better than I, I don't do don't
0: believe that for one second you know that
1: no, when <laughs> it comes to game know. mechanics he knows his right, stuff okay. uh, right. when it comes to publishing Everything. stuff that's <laughs> that, I can be critical there but he, fine. with game mechanics that's his territory which is why I brought him on board and he's brilliant and I'm so glad that we work together as, as a partnership essentially, Pocket Sub was one of those games where he was just like, it just needs a few tweaks. And he, he gave a few tweaks, and it made it a lot better as well. And he was like, that's it, done. Um, and it's a really good, neat pocket game. At the time, it was actually a space game. Um, you had like little space rocket ships, and they actually, it was actually called Rocket Ship Go. But then mm-hmm. we, we made an editorial decision to um, turn it into a submarine game, because, as I said right at the beginning of this episode, we try to avoid themes that are overdone, and obviously, as you know, there are millions of space games out there, and there was there was no way that game would have stood out as a space game. Um, so we decided to change it into a submarine game, and it still really works very, very well.
0: Do you have to like a game that you're going to publish? Uh, do you have? That's to a have... really good question. Because, or do you have to see the potential that other people might like the game from a commercial point of view? You know, I think, for instance, you know, yeah. as you know, as I say, you this is, you're you're in this space, so you could be looking at say, pu- you know, Pog us up and going, nah, don't see the appeal myself. Try to play it, you know, Killy could be playing it with you. Yeah. She could love it and think it's fantastic, um, and Brett obviously loves it as well. And you're like sitting there going, mm, this isn't lighting my fire, probably because it's underwater, <laughs> but um, but I see the potential in it.
1: I think that's a really good question and that's it's really dependent on the publisher. I tried to I, if I if I personally like the game then yes I'm I'm going to like like it a lot. But I've done that in the past where I've personally liked a game and I thought this is going to be a hit but then when I play tested it with other people and they don't care about theme or whatever and they want to make sure that the game mechanics are good they'll come back to me and say actually this is not a very good game. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I've I've taken more of a level-headed approach where both ways, if I don't personally like it, but then other people are telling me this is brilliant, sign it up, then I'll trust their opinion, um, especially if we start playtesting it beyond our little internal group of, of friends and colleagues.
0: With the lessons that you learned in Dice Hospital, was it really important for you to get kind of pocket sub out in front of as many people as possible then? Cause it sounded to me like that was the thing that really clinched it for you. I mean you obviously you really you did the marketing extremely well on Dice Hospital and there was a lot of noise and things like that, but it sounded like the playtesting the affirmation of people saying, No, this is actually a really, really good game Did that make you decide, well this time, yeah, we're gonna go out to the kind of the play the playtesting crowd again?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um and we I mean, I take this approach with all our games now, which is just we playtest it in house, and then when we feel like it's good enough and the rulebook is decent enough, we'll put it out publicly. Unfortunately, with Pocket Sub, um, it transpired that our first round of playtesting—and this was really good to know—was that the rulebook was completely illegible to most people because our playtesting results kept coming back, and they kept coming back with like really bizarre comments about rules that they thought existed but actually didn't. Um, and that was a really good lesson to me, which was that if you think the rules are good enough, you, yeah. just, you need to make sure even before you do the blind play testing, get someone to look at the rules of the book of the rule book and then come back to you and tell you what they didn't understand Cause, And that was a really good lesson. So that with Pocket farmer, for instance, yeah. um, Brett wrote that rule book because he, he, he redesigned the game. Um, he is a rulebook editor, anyway. He, um, I didn't know this, but apparently, he was a rulebook editor for Lego. Uh, he used to do their he used to do their games from I think like ten years back when they did when they did like a cute little board game line.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I,
1: I showed people that rulebook first, and then said, "Do you understand it?" And then once that was the good get go, then you'd go into blind playtesting testing. Um, but yeah. Playtesting's really important. It's just really dependent on whether people are excited about the game. So it's kind of like a chicken-and-egg situation where you need to get people excited about the game first for people to want to playtest it.
0: I mean, but the theme, I mean, as I say, the theme kind of does kind of play into that, though. I think you're right. I think if you'd maybe gone for a space one and it was little rocket ships kind of firing about the place, I think there maybe would have been a less of a kind of an interest in terms of okay in terms of like accessibility now i don't mean accessibility in terms of say um color blindness and things like that i mean in terms of accessibility and the ability for somebody to be able to go from just having the rule book and everything in front of you is that is that something that you kind of taken into consideration because i've you know, one of my biggest... I mean, thank goodness for Rodney Smith. You know, bless him and all who's selling him. Yeah. But I, there's several games that I would not have been able to play because the rulebook itself is, a, is an inaccessible mess in terms of taking people yeah. through and actually saying, OK, if you want to play around, this is how you play around. And then let's introduce things as they go. I think I've said this before. One of the best kind of introductory games to me in terms of getting you to learn the game, was always mechs versus Minions. Right. I still, I still kind of, you know, doth my hat to whoever, you know, sat down and decided that was the way that they were gonna allow people to kind of learn the rules over several rounds instead of just through, kind of a straight kind of first place. So, I mean, is that something you take into consider? Because it is, it was a sm- it's a micro game, it's a pocket game. Yeah. So was that, was that the thing? You said, I need somebody to be able to pick this up in five minutes, run with it, and then I'll be able to tell if they're going to have fun or not.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, we took two approaches with that, which was um, something I didn't do too much before, which was literally going to sit down and watch people play my game, um, but without telling them how to play the game at all. Uh, and I just gave them the rule book. And I watched uh, Matt Dunstan, which is, you know, quite a famous designer's in his own right, take my rules for Pocket Sub and yeah. then play them with Anthony, who's recently had a few games published as well from our local playtest group. They both playtested it. And even those guys, they were not able to understand certain parts of the rules. So I learned something new, which was local blind playtesting, where you just sit down and just watch people is also valuable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, accessibility of the rulebook is also very important, and that's why I hire Paul Grogan to do my rulebooks. Um, oh, Paul! Yeah.
0: Good old Paul. We like Paul. We've got to say sorry to Paul because Mike went through something something awful. Mike Barnes went through something awful when the last time he was on the show. Right. So we'll we love you, Paul. You're fantastic. And he's really, really good at what he does.
1: He is. He is. I, I really enjoy working with Paul. Um, he's very hardworking. Like, whenever I'm messaging him, he's, he's... Whatever time of the day it is, whether it's, like, 8am in the morning or 11pm yeah. at night, when I Facebook yeah. message him and say, Hey, Paul, something about a rule book He'll say, Sorry, I'm busy. But go on, tell me what you need. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just interrupting you. Yeah. Kind of halfway through.
1: Yeah, but um, yeah. he's he's very, very good. And actually, um, since Cauldron Master, where he did that rulebook for us, um, and now he's done... I mean, we li- so I, I figured out, his, he tallied up how much um, I owe him for the invoice, and it, and it turned out he'd worked 36 hours, you know, not straight, obviously, Whoa. but 36 hours on the rulebook. Um, editing it, advising, etc. So I'm hoping that the Dice Hospital rulebook will be fantastic based on the amount of work that both me, him, Mike, Stan, um, Bez has done a little bit of of editorial work there. So yeah, it's really important to get it right because especially if you've got a hyped game as big as Dice Hospital or Subterra Gloomhaven, it's so important to get that rulebook right because if the rulebook is right, you can get straight into the game, and if they like the game, they'll tell their friends about it.
0: And it well, I mean, obviously, with Pocket Sub, a lot of people like the game because you basically you funded pretty much close to kind of like it was. Um, I mean, it was three. or oh, basically a three thousand goal, and you got twenty thousand pounds. Yeah, it, I so mean, you, yeah. you did well. I was. Did
1: you really Did surprised. you set a little
0: goal? Did you set a little goal after the success of Dice Hospital? Did you set a low goal for it? And there's just the. So you didn't, because as I, as I, I think um, it seems to be a trend for people to say, well, let's just set it for a little bit of a lower goal and then hit the funded button. And then that helps us with the. That helps us with kind of like funding even further. But that, I, I mean, it did really, really well. It did. I, mean, I wasn't
1: it... expecting it to. To do that well, if I'm being perfectly honest, mainly because I wasn't sure how many of my previous backers would wanted to dip into their pockets, but I wanted to say thank you to them. And I said, look, if you do back Pocket Sub and Pocket Farmer, I will give you um, free promos attached to those games, yeah. um, and in the future, people will have to buy them. So you effectively you're getting it for free, um, and a lot of people. Like that, they were like, "I want that promo, and the price is a low, low price point for the game. Great, yeah. I'll go for it." Um, and that's probably what tipped it over. I think about thirty to maybe forty percent of backers wanted the free promo card because they were dice hospital backers.
0: And then, of course, the next thing is you went and rocked up with Pocket Pharma.
1: Yeah, and I was, I was pretty clear about about it. Even from the Dice Hospital campaign, I was like, look guys, I'm going to be doing two small campaigns uh, mm-hmm. while, you know, we sent off the manufacturing files to the, the manufacturer. So, you know, rather than twiddling our thumbs, we've got these two great games, let's put them on Kickstarter. And people responded really positively. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of backers which are going to be like, I have backed you once and I don't want to back you again. And that is totally understandable. Um it so, um, yeah.
0: wasn't really reflected though, because I mean, you still did twenty k on like a four grand target, so you still got you know five times what the kind of the needed yeah. target was for the project. So it still sounded like this, you know, a lot of people. Well, if you still do, if you up. do
1: the numbers, I think about three hundred or four hundred people, something like that, wanted uh, the promo card for each pocket sub and pocket farmer, maybe a little bit less. Mm-hmm. But if you compare yeah. that as a percentage of how many people actually back Dice Hospital, that's not very high. So, um, you know, that's, what is it, 20% of Dice Hospital backers or something? Maybe even less, like maybe 10%. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in in all fairness, considering that Pocket Sub is a very small abstract game and it's, it's kind of like a war game, it's completely different to Dice Hospital. So... To even get 10% of Dice Hospital backers and they haven't received Dice Hospital yet was really pleasing to see. And it just goes to show that a lot of people have a lot of faith in us and that's really not... I think, for me, that was the most nice thing to see was that people have faith in us. And I really like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's building the brand and kind of like building the, you know, kind of building the trust so that when somebody sees a game... But I guess you've also got the, the, the kind of the risk level as well because, I mean pocket farmer was only was only 14 pounds yeah i mean it's that's a really well pocket sub was only 11
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um really
0: really nice prices i mean it's a kind of a again it's one of these things where you see nowadays you see a lot of um kickstarter entry levels on the bigger projects to say well if you give us a tenner you'll get a lot of digital stuff so for you to be saying well if you give us 14 pounds you'll get the entire game That's a very very attractive thing, and I think also people like the micro games and not the micro, but the smaller games, the ones they know that they're definitely going to play, the ones that they know they're definitely going to get to the table as well. I think that's a big. I think that's a big consideration. I think.
1: uh... I think um, if you look at Jelly Bean games, um, Peter is it Peter Hayward? Um, Mm -hmm. His speciality is doing these small, beautiful. Almost micro games. Um, but I have noticed that as his campaigns have been going on, less people have been backing his campaigns, not because of the quality of his games. His games are good. But I'm, I'm thinking that Kickstarter backers are getting a little bit tired of these smaller games because obviously, you know, all of us have maybe, you know, at least five, six, seven of these smaller games. So I was always worried that maybe the pocket range from us wouldn't do that well. Um, but clearly, for some reason, they did. I can't put my finger on it, but I think it's just a combination of trust. They know that Dice Wastelands is going to be good. Um, Brett Gilbert is now our lead developer, so he's obviously a very good designer. And um, you know, we're giving away at a low price the the game. So does that relaxed. mean
0: distribution distribution into retail is going to be easier? Because if you do need to print another you Know a couple hundred copies, you're not looking at molds for characters and stuff, you know, yeah, molds for models and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you're looking obviously at custom meeples for pocket sub, but does that make, does that make, are you already kind of thinking about the lineup for the retail distribution as you said, kind of earlier on? Um, is that, I mean, are these, are these, is it easier to get a retail distribution? kind of situation lined up for the pocket games than it would be for dice hospital or have you not seen that i think it's i
1: um well i'm actually meeting up with asmodee on monday to discuss distribution of our games um i have a good relationship with them anyway and um their main buyer john is actually by sheer coincidence really good friends with mike the designer of dice hospital um they've reassured me that, um, they think that it's going to do super, super well in, in, distribution. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the pocket games, I don't know. Um, I don't know what these distributors will expect because essentially I'm still a new guy, right? You know, I'm not an established player and we're only just starting to access these distribution channels. I mean, I went to gamma in in Nevada, uh, a couple of months ago, uh, simply to access the US market and speak to distributors there. And, you know, when I was there, we spoke to a few of them and it was good, but essentially you just have to be established and you have to have a few games under your belt. So I just have to be patient and and hope that Dice Hospital does well so that distributors will start buying our other games, our pocket games, our family friendly games, our Euro games, etc.
0: What was it like kind of um, going out there as potentially maybe people hadn't heard you? Yeah, of course. Of yeah, you? I'm was still that, still that... small.
1: You have to keep your your feet on the ground and and understand that you, you're still a small guy. And actually, Peter was there as well from ITB. And we spent a lot of time together chatting and just talking about the business and industry. And, you know, we both agreed that, although he has done spectacularly well with Subterra, did much better than Dice Hospital, for instance, but yeah. essentially we are still relatively small compared to people like Simon or even AEG or Mayday or Modifius Games Workshop, all these people there, you know, that's where we aspire to be because we believe that we could we could be there with um, the games that we pick up, with the development that we put into it and the ideas that we bring to the industry but you just have to be you have to keep real and that's why like i said right at the beginning of this conversation you have to be your harshest critic because if you yourself you're not going to pick up your own game from the shelf because it doesn't stand out and it's not a theme that you're interested in why should anyone else buy your game it's just it's literally as simple as that and if you're not being real with yourself then your business will go down the drain. Or it will sink into the sea. Or it'll sink Just into maybe, the sea, or we'll get mined or something, or maybe the Maybe drugs near will maybe it. near an
0: island. Maybe <laughs> near maybe near some kind of coral reefy type <laughs> island thing. Exactly. Season please, I'm laying these out for you like beautiful cucumber sandwiches. And you should be <laughs> snapping them up.
1: I hate cucumber sandwiches.
0: <laughs> That'll probably be why you didn't get the segue. <laughs> <laughs> but Next project that's coming up,
1: uh, yeah, it's um, well. Hopefully, by the next project, everyone should have received at least Dice Hospital, and yeah. we're super duper lucky, Pocket Farmer, Pocket Sub, possibly. Cool. Uh, but the next, the next game is called Coral Islands. Um, it's it's actually quite interesting. It's a two games in one box, so they're, the 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 two games in them are both dice stacking games. And what happened was um, I was pitched this dice stacking game at uh, Gen Con last year by some friends of the designer, and the designer had actually passed away. Um, so his friends... Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So his friends, uh, they're Black Straw Games. Uh, they're the guys that were behind Spy Club. Uh, so Sarah Greybill and John Shulters, um and... Johnny as well, I forget his surname, Caitlin, I think. Yeah. They, they showed me Rohan's game, and at first, it was basically a science-themed cube stacker. And I was like, ooh, a science game, because obviously, you know... You like, like your science. We like science games, right? Um, yeah. and, and they were like, take it, take it away, See, tell us what you think. And I showed Brett, and I'm not even kidding, after we finished the game, Brett was like, sign that up, it's finished i have never heard Brett say that. Like, all he said was, the only thing you need to do to it is you need to add more dice to make it. <laughs> that's literally all he said, because you need to, he said it was something to do with the balancing. I can't remember yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, wow. And he, and he was like, this is a game that I would play with my friends and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, great, that's it. Then my problem was that um, we sat on that for a while um, while we were developing Dice Hospital and preparing pocket sub because um, obviously this was going to be a mid-2018 game. Yeah. Um, another designer like pitched me his game via Instagram. Um, he just showed me like a picture of these beautiful translucent dice stacked on top of one another, and he called it Coral. So I was like, ooh, can I try that? So he sent me the rules of it, and it was really, really good. Um, it did need a bit of development. Uh, there were a few uh, balancing issues and stuff, but we were like... Let's sign this up, and then we had this <laughs> conu- we had this conundrum. It was like, hang on a sec, we can't have two die stacking games. This is ridiculous. Um, so I just I, I contacted both uh, Rohan's family, which which are the guardians of, of his game, and um, Richard, who who made Coral, and I said, look, this is the situation. I like both of your games, but how would you feel if I put them all into one box, and we just use the same components? Because the problem was that. Richard's game and Rohan's game, to sell them at a price that I felt was feasible, considering that both needed a lot of dice, there was no way to make um, a decent enough margin. But I thought, if we have two games in one, then it makes it a much more interesting proposition. Um, yeah. So, essentially, we've got Coral, which is a dice stacking game on a shared public board, and you're trying to make these polyominal shapes in three dimensions with your dice that represent coral um, and then we have islands so we decided to change the theme from rohan's science game to an island theme game where essentially you are using um, it's, kind, it's kind of an interesting kind of drafting mechanic where you draw three cards that are played above uh, like special specialist cards and the specialist cards have sort of rule rule breaking rules to them and then when you take when you take those cards, it's it's a stack of cards, but then that sort of tells you how many positions you can move the dice from one stack to another stack. So it's it's a much more strategic um, dice stacking game. But the beauty about it is you can you can pretty much allocate most of the dice to both games, um, and I really like both of them and I think with Sabrina's art for the whole game, I think it's gonna be a winner. Um it's definitely on the lighter side of a gateway game, but it's it's really just really elegant, both games.
0: Is it, I mean um is the, is that kind of a bit of a gamble? Is it a bit of a risk to put kind of like both games together? Yeah. Or would or would it have be been more of a gamble to actually separate them out and then potentially not not have any margin have you could have two really nice little successful games but you're not making any money off of it you might as well just give them away
1: yeah i i felt like um the best way to do it was to combine them i i think that was actually less risky than separating the two i mean if you wanted to separate the two and then sell them it literally would have made no money because no one's people probably would have paid 15 quid maybe 20 quid Mm -hmm. for one of the games. And then because you've got two, you can just add on that extra fiber and then that makes it um, not profitable but <laughs> able for me to actually manufacture it at a price that I can manufacture it. Um, yeah. So in that way, in, in my head anyway, it was less risky. And actually maybe an interesting proposition to consumers because when I discussed it with uh, some of my market research people, they were like, that sounds like a really interesting proposition. It's something that would make me want to take a look at it. And not only that, it's got Sabrina's art. I mean, it, what she did for the bot front cover is phenomenal. Um, but not only that, uh, we're trying to have give it like an educational angle. Um, so the whole point about Coral, the game itself, is about Coral, coral propagation. And uh, no word of a lie. I actually spoke to a really old university buddy who actually does it for a living. Um, so he told me all about coral propagation this morning.
0: (laughs) So he tells you how it all, how how it all lights up.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy that, because I knew that he was a diver. Um, he quit his office job in London and now he lives in Kuala Lumpur and he does like diving stuff. But part of his job is actually about, um, coral conservation and coral propagation to actually help them to propagate in, in the wild. And that's so cool. Yeah, it's just, and you telling me all about it. I was like, "This is," because I knew coral propagation existed when I when I took on uh, Richard's coral game, but then I yeah. didn't actually know the ins and outs until my friend Jamie told me about it this morning. Um, and it's just nuts. Um, but it's it's <laughs> it's really interesting stuff. And that's one thing that we want to do as a company is that I want to retain the motto, which is fun first, educational second. Um, because I, you know, I genuinely believe that through board games you can have a really good time, have have a great, have play a fun game, but also, yeah. but also learn something new.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be through the kind of like the 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 kind of the rest of your games. But if you're approaching the market that you're approaching, then that's going to hit probably a right chord with a lot of potential kind of, you know, well parents as well. Yeah. To be kind of perfectly honest. Yeah,
1: I mean we don't we don't want to make solely family friendly games because that's quite specific and you have to, you know, you have to play test with kids and blah de blah. But essentially you have, you know, our market is casual, light to medium gamers who like to play a gateway game or slightly heavier.
0: And I mean, kind of have you I mean, again, are you at the stage where you kind of play testing? Have you got kind of the games together? Are you are you still very very early stages of this, or are you at the pro? I mean, where are you just now? Is it, is it so, close to even <clears throat> Kickstarter or so?
1: Islands is pretty much done. Um, right. We just need to do the art for it. That's that hasn't really begun, um, mainly because Sabrina is busy. She's she's a very busy artist. Um, yeah. Coral. It's, it's we've been we've had to develop that in-house uh and working with richard to sort of improve it to the standard where we believe it should be and yeah. it's very very close now so he's just this afternoon told me that he's going to start sending me the expansion ideas and that he's continuing to play test um the base game the base game is pretty much done um it's more now just about balancing some of the polyominal cards of how you're trying to make up your coral in three dimensions Just trying to balance that in terms of the numbers, Um, but it's pretty much good to go. Um, And uh, yeah, it's just I guess now just trying to get the art preparing it for Kickstarter. And because now we've we were originally going to do it for June, but then I thought I should just wait until everyone's got their copies of Dice Hospital, so that that will be you know July and August when everyone gets their copies. So um, hopefully, September would be a good time to start it because August is like death month for a Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, it's kind of strange. I know a couple of folk last year that kind of just went, oh, yep, you're releasing in August? Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah, It can work. Right. It
1: can work. And yeah. you know, I'm not saying you'll fail, but I'm, I'm just saying that if a large portion of your backers are going to be on holiday or visiting family or not accessing the internet, why would you cut off 30 percent of your market, when you could just you could just wait a month or two months, and then they'll be back on it, and they'll be like, "Oh, I want to back that."
0: I mean, and and in terms, okay, in terms of you actually playing the game, I mean, are you still, are you looking on this from a sense of fun? I mean, have you sat down, thoroughly enjoyed Coral, thoroughly enjoyed Islands? Yeah. Or are you st- are you are you still slipping back into the kind of, I need to be focusing on the business aspect of this. I mean, is it difficult to... It is difficult just... because,
1: um, obviously, with with games, when you sign them up, you do need to do a lot of development. And that means that even though the designer may have done hours or days' worth of playtesting, you still need to do your due diligence and make sure that you try to break the game on your end. Um, yeah. And that's why I'd go to the the, the Cambridge playtest group, or I'll test it with Bez, or I'll test it with Brett. Um, mm-hmm. I'll test it with David Turksy, he works for us now, and um, etc. So, it's you know, if you're going to be playtesting a game often enough, you'll start thinking, Ah, this is annoying. But, you know, that's with any game. Um, but when it comes to uh, an idea that comes out of it, and you go, Because we we actually came up with the polyominal idea of actually turning coral from just a simple die stacking game to actually. Trying to form actual shapes, you know, yeah. when you create little little development ideas like that, which make the game significantly better, you th- you think to yourself, "Wow, this is awesome! We took a really good game, and now we've made it even better." So it's those little eureka moments that really make it worth doing.
0: And um, you keep on um, mentioning the B word. What's that? Uh, the the bears. Yes. <laughs> and she. Kind of, what's her place in this? She is, mention... She's my
1: project manager. She's my developer. Um, she is a master of all, and I am a master of none. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Bez comes to work in my office every Wednesday, and yeah. we'll sit down and we'll discuss what ACG's been doing, and then I'll say to Bez, this is, what's, this is what needs to be done. She'll, she'll give her opinion on things, I'll listen, I'll take it on board, and we'll come to an agreement about what, what she should be doing. And actually, she's been fantastic because um, she brings on board this extra sense of experience and she always comes at things from a different angle than I do. And although technically I'm still the boss, I very much see Bez as a partner in the projects that she's handling. Um, so she has been handling, developing pockets up, the rulebook, um, developing and re- nurturing the relationship with the manufacturer for it. Like, how how big should the box be? What about the tokens? What about the expansions? How do they fit in all this? So, um, and I think she's she's very much enjoyed that, and it's been really great having her on board.
0: It's a sense of fun it is she has an she has an ability to kind of like take the most random thing that you could possibly imagine and then gets gets a marker pen and draws like three lines on it and the next thing you know you've got a fully fledged game where people are shouting at each other about cats <laughs> yeah it's just this kind of rampant imagination that goes yeah. like to the moon and back and then comes back saying oh i got some stardust while i was on my trip to the moon here you go You're just like, how do you do that? Because I know people that that they spend months and years kind of putting game ideas and everything like that together, and she just seems to have an ability just to say, "I know how to take what you've got and kind of extract the fun out of it as well." Yeah, which is always a glorious type. It's always a glorious thing to see somebody with that ability to you hand them a bag of meeples and a couple of pieces of paper, and they come back to you and say. Um look, I've invented uh meeple pyramids yeah. games. It's gonna be amazing. That sounds like a great game, to... let me sign that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fantastic game. In all, um, in all seriousness David.
1: though, she, she is a perfectionist. Um and oh yeah and like I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist, and then I met Bears, um, and she came to work for us. And I just thought to myself, wow, I need to up my game. Um, mainly because she was like, Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And I was like, No, I haven't thought about that actually. <laughs> um and I was like, Wow, I, I need to sort that out. So
0: But it's the commitment as well. Yeah. You can tell that you know there's there's seventeen points during the process where everybody else would hold up their hands and stop. And, and and Bez just keeps going on through it and says, "Okay, I've reached number point fifteen. I've got two more to go, but they're the most difficult ones. But I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway, regardless." Yeah. And I, do you know what? I would. I'm not being funny, but if somebody was out there with a with a with a a, a really big budget, I would love to see what um, what Bez would do on a huge budget, where you just put them in a room and said, "Okay." here's X amount of thousands of pounds, what are you going to do with it? And just to see what she would create.
1: I think um, I re- that's why she wanted to join up. I, I think because she knows that our budget is bigger than hers. Um, obviously, yeah. she, she she literally operates on a shoestring budget. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that's that's what makes it interesting, is that she can make something amazing out of nothing. And I think that's why also she wanted to work for us to see... How far could she go with her development skills to make something with a with a big budget? Um, yeah, and it's it's just, it's just been great having her on board.
0: So Coral Islands, yeah, potentially a couple of months away. I mean, where are you in terms of your publicity with it? I mean, we've we just started I mean,
1: publicising that. So um, and actually, there's going to be Chocolate Factory as well after that. Um, that we expect to be our biggest hit this year. Uh, but we just we don't have any um marketing material for that because we had a we had a few problems with the first artist. we had to switch artists because we had a few issues um but
0: I must admit to be honest when I first looked at the game, I did gain about five pounds
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, wait till you see the wooden uh I just got the wooden um chocolate pieces from my graphic designer today. you're probably gonna oh, wow. gain another five pounds.
0: I'm just gonna be the ones that things. Do they actually look like chocolate? Don't they?
1: Yeah. So what we're gonna have is um, it's it's a conveyor belt mechanic, and essentially you're using classic Euro cubes and contracts to sort of interconvert the chocolates. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's gonna be six different types of chocolate pieces, um, but we're thinking they're gonna be chocolate shapes. But then we will we're probably also going to have like wrappers, so they're gonna look like chocolate wrappers. Um, that you stick onto these wooden pieces as well so each time you play you' like playing with the i don't know the cat cat bar or something like that uh, it's
0: gonna be so good
1: yeah i hope so um but yeah coral islands we just started marketing that um and unbelievably that's all that's having almost as big a reception as dice hospital so who knows that might that might do almost as well in terms of number of backers
0: um yeah i mean i think if you know once you build yourself a name and a reputation i mean if you look at say um colossal games for instance yeah they've had western legends kamisama Imperium have all been out within the space of six months yeah and none of them are actually out there and being um they're not fulfilled yet yeah um and they're gonna. They've got a plan. To, I think they've got a plan to release um, a whole pile more. So and you know, and they're building up their brand and their communication seems to be excellent, and they're building up that trust as well. So it seems to be, you know, this seems to be the same. You know, the same with yourselves, which is really, which is really, really good, and you know, really, really interesting to see. Yeah. Um. I wish you best of luck. Thank you so much. With you know this with future endeavours and it's always nice to have you on to have a chat yeah it's been great it's always it's always good fun if people want to keep an eye on um what you're up to yeah where can they find you on the interweb nets?
1: everywhere really um we're on facebook we're on instagram twitter we have a web page mm-hmm yeah
0: so and what we'll do is we'll make sure we'll put everything in the show notes. So Great. we've got notes to show. Thank you. Um, and when the Kickstarter goes live on Coral... and I'm assuming you're going to Kickstarter as well. Yeah, I mean actually
1: like... we didn't touch upon it, but um, there are a few games that are going to, that are going straight to Essen as well. So we're actually going to have I think right. two games at Essen that will not be kickstarted.
0: Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. So you, as I say, this is the the the, the are you moving away from the reliance on the kind of the Kickstarter model?
1: Um, no, it's uh, it's just because it's a funny co-publishing deal that I'm doing uh, with these oh, right, with these okay. two with these two games. But um, until I've actually got the contract signed and every everyone on the, on is on board, I can't release mm-hmm. that information yet. But it's it's quite an exciting project that quite a few people sort of know about it, but they don't know uh, when it's coming out. So I'm I'm sort of involved with it, but until it comes out. I have to keep my lips quiet.
0: So thank you for promising that and then delivering absolutely nothing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me Come to our stand at Essen and then you'll see what we're selling.
0: Don't. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) dude. Because he's not telling me any of his secrets and it's not fair. (laughs) Um, If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, uh, go to internet webs, go to Google's, type in We Are Not Wizards. You will find us on all places. I mean, just... It's like, if you go outside and chuck a brick, you'll probably hit something that we're involved in. To be perfectly honest, you will find us on, you know, Twitter and Facebook. And we're also on Instagram, which we're still trying to figure out how to really post the really nice pictures. You can find us on YouTube because Podbean, our podcast hosts automatically put all our episodes out there as well. Um, We're on all the little podcast catchers. Well, we're on Spotify. Wow, still. really? Yeah. Didn't know that. what do you mean really why are you saying i didn't know you're on spotify
1: you're, i know you're on Podbeam because that's how i how i listen to your shows
0: yeah thank you very much um but yeah we're on spotify i think everybody's going on spotify it's just one of these things it's a trend or a fashion right. or something like that but we're on uh, places like acast and stitcher and spreaker and podknife and anywhere else you might find your podcast player fm i think we're on there as well just everywhere we're also on uh, Apple Podcasts. And as we say, if you like what you've listened to tonight, then please consider dropping us a subscription. Um, we have more listeners in America than we do in the UK. So, howdy.
1: Howdy,
0: You all come, ba- <laughs> come back now, you hear? <laughs> with uh, our terrible <laughs> American accents. And by that, I'm we're sure just... they
1: can mock us with our British accents.
0: A good old British accent Now remember, if you are liking us And you are on Apple Podcasts And you are going to give us a rating or review Remember to give us Don't give us ten stars Because that makes us rather arrogant and big headed (laughs) Don't give us one star Because that does make Mama cry (laughs) But uh, give us something in the middle Like a five Because it's average And we are decidedly average (laughs) Um. (laughs) Oh my goodness But the person who's not been average is the rather wonderful, he's the rather amazing, he's the consistently successful Mr. Cesar Al-Jazar. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for coming back on. Thanks very much for Um, having me. And I wish you all the success with all these lovely little projects um, coming out and for the rest of 2018. Uh, There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things... But we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Cesar? So there...
1: No, you're definitely not.
0: Definitely not. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So, it's goodbye. It's goodbye from him. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, Rule sixes. And, uh, you know, you might have been underwater, you might have been in hospital, you might even been a bit pharmaceutical, you might have gotten involved in a cauldron. <laughs> You might have been involved in a lab war, but if you want to get nice and gentle and relaxed and feel the sunshine in the next couple of months, you'll be able to get involved in the coral islands and then stuff your face hopefully with some chocolate <laughs> but But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>